This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. We're about a week after the 2022 midterm election day. Some would say it's not really a day anymore. It's more like a week or a month or a year. And we do know a few things that we didn't know on election day. We know that House Republicans have taken the majority. It will be a fairly narrow one. We know that the Democrats will be in the majority in the Senate. But there are still a lot of things we don't know and we won't know for a while. And so what a great opportunity are our, our known knowns and known unknowns burgeoning franchise here at Political Theater to discuss these things with Nathan Gonzalez, the publisher of Inside Elections and Roll Call's elections analyst. Nathan, welcome back. Welcome to part two of our known knowns, known unknowns. Well, maybe the one known thing is that when talking about known knowns, I'm going to be on this podcast. That's the, that's the constant. <laughs> that, that is going to be the, the franchise. You'll be like the, uh, the Steve Martin guest host of SNL. Like it'll just be happening. There's worse. Uh, there are worse things. So anyway, this was the kind of election that we, you know, we had been covering for over a year. You know, you and and your crew at Inside Elections were uh, f- uh, on the more conservative side of of predicting uh, gains. Some some of your some of the other uh, political handicappers up there were predicting bigger gains for the Republicans. I think it sort of took the Republicans by a little bit by surprise, gauging on some of the uh, uh, comments and infighting that we're seeing. Uh, with, with Republicans, with challenges to leaders. Um, but the Republicans will have a majority, which they did not have uh, in, in the last two Congresses. So even with the sort of internal debate, they have something that they didn't have before. Right. And, you know, in talking with Republican strategists before the election, almost everyone was in the 20s somewhere in terms of Republican gains, some even a little bit higher than that. It's going to land between probably plus six to nine. Uh, they needed five. And uh, with, a, you know, California, a few straggling California races still needing to be needing to be called. Uh, but it, you're right. That I want to reiterate that the surprise was in the House margin, but a lot of other things shouldn't have been a surprise. We knew the Senate was going to be close and Democrats had a chance to maintain control. That's what happened. We knew Republicans were probably going to get the House. We didn't know that it was going to be quite this close. But I, I just I feel like in the last week, it's been so much of a who could see this coming? And like, well, actually, you, you could kind of see this happening. Uh, the, the real thing was those those independent voters who I expected to break toward Republican candidates because they didn't think Biden was doing a particularly good job. Uh, they didn't like the direction of the country, concerned about the economy, but they were in the end, not sold on Republicans. They were not sold to make that change and, and things got closer. Well, and I also just note too, that there was this sort of wild, wildly sort of divergent set of circumstances depending on the state you're in, right? So if you're a Democrat in Pennsylvania or Michigan, you're very happy. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you won all the t- tough house races up and down the line. The Michigan Democrats flipped the state legislature for the first time, you know, in 40 years. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer won handily a second term. All the vulnerable Democrats uh, won uh, in, in Michigan. They flipped a Republican seat. 
Uh, you know, Pennsylvania, same thing, you know, right down the line statewide uh, and at the House level, Democrats did very well. In Florida, it was a bloodbath for for Democrats. I mean, like the, the Republicans were able to clean up from the top of the ticket, Ron DeSantis. Uh, you know, one handily uh, against Charlie Chris, a former governor and former House member. Uh, he, you know, he engineered a redistricting uh, plan that, you know, really, really gave basically the Republicans their margin of, of the majority. Um, you know, it, in, and in New York, also, we had this kind of weird thing where, you know, we had Democrats win at the top and Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, he won easily. Kathy Hochul didn't have as easy time, but she did win. Uh, and then, you know, the Democrats lost a, a, a bunch of, of House seats that they had had for a long time. And, you know, you got these. So you got like some split vic- split victories, too, for the parties I mean, in Arizona, my home state. You know, Katie Hobbs looks like she's eked out this very narrow uh, win against Carrie Lake. Uh, and so that's a, the Democrats feel good about that. Mark Kelly won a little more easily than, than Hobbs did against Blake Masters. But the congressional delegation, you know, is is six, three Republicans. Republicans slipped a couple of seats. So it's it, it is, as you said, the, the, the error margins were so small, in, you know, with, with some of these that, you know, the way that independence broke, you know, sometimes it diverged by state. <laughs> right. And election night was. It was kind of Florida was a little bit of a mirage. I mean, uh, Florida was early, right? And you're like, holy cow! If Rubio and DeSantis are are destroying their opponents in those races, you know, this could be a huge night. But a little bit later, one of the first key house races that got called or projected was Rhode Island's second district, um, where Republicans had high hopes for Alan Fung. You know, he was stronger, maybe one of Republicans' strongest candidates anywhere. Although running in a difficult district. Uh, and it was projected for the Democrat Seth Magaziner. And that was an indication like, OK, maybe the strength of the candidate isn't enough to overcome the partisanship of some of these districts. And that will limit Republican uh, limit Republican gains. And I want to if I we actually know more now than what I thought we would at this point, meaning Ooh, we're not depending on twist. <laughs> yeah, we, we were not depending on Georgia for the majority for control of the Senate. It's still right. a consequential race. Um, there are only now about a handful of undecided or uncalled house races. Um, now we only knew the house majority until a couple of days ago that it was really kind of officially in Republican hands. But, uh, and I'm also surprised Jason, there's a projection that I had that I am, I'm wrong. I was wrong about, and I'm happy to be wrong. And that's, I thought we were going to be in for a tumultuous voting process with potentially violence at precincts and confrontations at vote tabulation centers. And we haven't had it. (laughs) People, we had elections, we're counting ballots, losers are conceding, winners are going to orientation, fairly normal. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong, but I was expecting things to be us to having this conversation and like, all right, let's list the 10 precincts where police are investigating incidents or something like we're not there. We're not doing that. Yeah, it, it is. It is sort of fascinating because, I mean, you know, when Biden, when Joe Biden ran for president in 2020 and won, I mean, it was almost like the brand was I'm going to be boring. You know, I'm, go- I'm going to return things to normal uh, so that you don't have to you know worry about you know, whether we're going to flip the, you know, something of consequence in the government on the basis of a tweet. 
um, with which was you know sometimes a fear with the, the, with his predecessor Donald Trump. Um, I mean, obviously those that plan for normalcy and boredom sort of got thrown out the window on January 6, twenty twenty one, with a, a riot trying to disrupt the county of electoral votes uh, by Trump supporters. But this, you're right. I, I I also was was bracing, you know, because you know you saw reports of people showing up at polling centers or drop off boxes with guns, and I mean it was just a very volatile, potentially volatile mix, and. Um, boring one one out i mean this was a you know this was like as you know a, a trip to the dmv and, and boring one out in some of the results right uh, depending on what happens in georgia if senator warnock wins re-election uh that means that no senator lost in a primary or general election and i have to credit my colleague jacob rubashkin who went back and looked and that will be the first time since we've been directly electing our senators more than a hundred years ago that no senator has lost re-election in the primary or a general election. But let's look at the House. It looks like there are going to be nine members of Congress, nine members of the House who lost re-election in the general election. There were a few that more that lost in the primary, partially redistricting and other things. But nine, that's, that is below average for uh, a cycle. In governors, there will be one governor, um, Governor Sisolak, Steve Sisolak of Nevada, who lost re-election. This was not an upheaval. But in very uncertain times, right, the economy, people are concerned, people are concerned about crime and the border and stability or at least incumbency reign. People were not upset to the point to throw out their incumbents or not comfortable enough with the alternatives to, to throw people out of office. I, I'm glad you mentioned Sisolak because he it, it, it's another one of those weird intrastate uh, anomalies where all the incumbents won at the congressional level, right? Cor- Catherine Cortez Masto eked out a win against Adam Laxalt. Uh, all four House incumbents, three Democrats and one Republican, won. And then, then the, then the governor <laughs> loses. Um, and and again, it, it was a, a a race remarkably devoid of of bad rhetoric, I would think. And maybe some of this is the fact that Sisolak and Lomb- and Lombardo, the, the the former county sheriff for Clark County. They they worked together, you know, because uh, when when Sisolak was on the Clark County Board of Commissioners, this is the county that encompasses Las Vegas and its surrounding area, uh, and so they they didn't there wasn't really like bad blood between the two of them, uh, it, you know, even even with Trump sort of getting involved uh, in 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 the race, uh, you know, by asking Lombardo to, are you sure you don't think I'm a great president, uh, and Lombardo having to sort of backtrack on you know, his hesitation in a debate to declare Trump a great president. Um, but again, it's just a weird result, right? You know, like that w- one guy loses, I guess. It's just almost this weird coin flip, like you're going to lose. Uh, everybody else is going to be okay. Yeah. And so we have a state with ticket splitting, but ticket splitting on on either side of basically 50-50 races, right? We have Cortez Masto probably going to win by less than a point, maybe a point and some change. Uh, Sisolak losing narrowly, similar to Wisconsin, right, where Senator Ron Johnson wins real, the Republican wins re-election by a point, but Democratic Governor Tony Evers wins re-election. And so when it's that close, uh, it, it uh, you can get those results. And Lombardo didn't bend over backwards to, he wasn't on the kind of the Trump train, right? He wasn't, uh, he wasn't trying to, to be a megaphone for that sort of rhetoric. And, and in the end, you have to say that it paid off for him. Yeah. So some of the things that we 
don't know are are known unknowns. Uh, again, as you said, we don't we don't know what the final margin is yet, but we'll we'll get a clearer picture uh, as California. Can you hear us? Uh, finishes their counting, and then when Alaska does its rank choice uh, uh, voting, uh, so so we'll know we'll know that probably in the next week or two. I'm guessing is is a, is a conservative estimate, and then on December six, as you stated, the the Georgia Senate runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker will determine whether it's a fifty fifty Senate or a fifty one forty nine, you know. Senate. Uh, so, I, I mean, a fifty-first vote for Democrats would make a difference because they would they wouldn't have to run everything <laughs> uh, by uh, by Mitch McConnell. They they could inv- in, instigate investigations of their own and so forth. It's been this thing where they have equally divided, you know, uh, you know, pretty much down the line on on things. So it, it's been a little harder. I mean, the the, the fifty-fifty majority only comes from Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote on the floor, not you know, in, in other. Senate business. So those are the things we don't know. We also, I mean, Kevin McCarthy has been nominated for speaker, but he's still not speaker. You know, everybody else's uh, leadership position is secure in the Republican uh, caucus, but McCarthy has to win a majority of the House on January 3rd when the, um, when the, when the House and the new 118th Congress convenes. And he's not there yet. I mean, he, he got 188 votes uh, from his, his colleagues uh, to, to be nominated, but he's got a ways to go uh, to, to get the other 30 plus. Let's talk about the uncertainty there. I mean, like, as, as we've said, like, this is almost a 50-50 country, right, in, in a lot of ways. Who does he have to make happy in order to get 218 votes for speaker? Everyone. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. He has to make everyone happy. And I, I thought it was interesting, uh, Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon, who won yet another competitive reelection race, uh, kind of floating that if if McCarthy doesn't have the votes, that uh, he would be open to working with Democrats on some sort of consensus speaker pick that would presumably not be Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and I, I don't. Part of that was probably good politics by Bacon, who is who does represent a very competitive district in the Omaha area, and also could be could have been a maybe a wake up call to the Republican uh, caucus that if you don't get your act, if we don't get our act together collectively then Democrats are going to have an opportunity to have a say in this. And, uh, and I, I don't think most Republicans want that. But as McCarthy has been trying to um, secure the votes, there have been stories uh, leaked out, you know, stories of things that are promises that are being made. I believe it was Carl Hulse's story in the New York Times about uh, things being promised to Marjorie Taylor Greene about investigations and uh, you know, those are the type of things I guess you need to do when it's this close. But I, you, he has to be the front runner. But I, right, there could be some intrigue and drama in this before before it's over. And this is where the final margin in the House will be important because I mean, in 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 this sort of instance of having a a five seat, you know, uh, you know, five, five seats as, as opposed to ten, you know, or or ten seats as opposed to eight. I mean, just one vote, you know, is, is, is enough. Um, I, I always wonder because uh, it's it's hard to ask this question for for new members, but I always wonder how many of the newly elected members actually understand that the speaker's race is not a is not a a, a caucus thing. <laughs> it, the, the, I mean, both Democrats and Republicans, you know, like people are you know new. Floor procedure is is still a mystery to people who have been you know observing Washington for years and years. But you know, this is a public 
vote. Uh, it is after the House convenes. The C-SPAN cameras are on. Um, you know, you, it's a majority of the House. And also, you know, it doesn't even have to be a member of the House, adding another layer of complexity uh, and, and uncertainty. So it's, yeah. I don't think we're going to get any votes for Colin Powell this year, as we as we have in the past. Right. Uh, but you know, one one dynamic to watch is uh, we are going to see an emboldened Republican Main Street partnership group, a group of folks. Uh, you know, because I first of all, there are a lot of new members that are going to affiliate with the with the Main Street partnership, and uh, and believe that they're the majority makers, right? That they it was their type that type of candidate who got elected while some of the other types of freedom caucus type who didn't get elected and, and held down the margins. But I know that there are some, um, some folks in the mainstream partnership who are kind of tired of the freedom caucus running the show or thinking that they have the only influence. And so I, I want to see what it looks like, but I think you're going to see this other part of the Republican caucus kind of rise up and say, no, we, we have a say in this too. We want, um, we're not going to just let Jim Jordan and, and the crew run the show. And and I think that, you know, it's, it's also just important to note that there aren't a lot of parallels for how close things are. I mean, it feels the last few years, it, it, it feels like it's been this way forever. Uh, but in general, I mean, house, House majorities are typically much bigger than this. Um, you know, the, the really the in in the modern era, you know, since there have been a hundred Senate seats, you know, we we've only had a 50-50 split a couple of times. Um, and you know, for the the four hundred and thirty-five seat House, you know, this it's only been this close. You know, like you know, a few times. Most recently in two thousand one, two thousand three, you know, George W. Bush had won the presidency after losing the popular vote. There was a a fifty fifty Senate because you know they they had uh, you know Dick Cheney the vice president was supplying the you know the tie breaking vote there and that and the Republicans only had an eight seat majority in the, in the House and that only lasted a few months because Jim Jeffords uh, left the Republican Party and and handed the majority to the Democrats in in May so and then nine eleven happened uh, so that that sort of spurred a a, a lot of bipartisan efforts on you know, everything from like the Department of Homeland Security to the you know Patriot Act and so forth. So it's it's sort of an anomalous time, um, even though it feels like it's been this way forever. Yeah. And you other and other pieces of potential drama moving forward, uh, if Republicans get rid of proxy voting as as they've sort of talked about doing, um, that means it's kind of all hands on deck all the time. No one and you can't afford to have absences um, or let alone the deaths or resignations that tend to happen over the course of uh, over the course of a Congress. You know, remind because people are listening to a roll call podcast. You are more uh, in the weeds than most folks. But uh, this last Congress, there was not a day where all 435 districts had a sitting member of Congress because, unfortunately. Um, you know, one member from Louisiana passed away before he was sworn in, which prompted a special election. But then there were other resignations and vacancies. And some of that is going to happen again. I mean, uh, Congressman, Democratic Congressman uh, Chewy Garcia of Illinois, probably running for mayor of Chicago, you know, and depending on how that goes, does that, uh, you know, does that end up being uh, if he's victorious and resigns and there's a special uh, there's just a lot. Uh, it's going to be more vote counting than necessary, I think, particularly because of the, the proxy, the potential for the absence of proxy voting. 
And I think that I'm, I'm not to be grim, you know, but like you're the, the unknown unknowns part of it is that we don't know what is going to be, you know, we don't know who is going to die. We don't know who's going to get a job on K street. We don't know who might go, you know, be, become an ambassador or a member of the administration or just decide that they just can't take it anymore. Uh, I mean, these, these are the things that you can't predict. You can't predict that somebody, you know, is, is going to leave, uh, you know, we, we had a member die in a, in a car accident, you know, tragically, you know, it just in the, in the last few months. So it, it's, it, those are the sort of things that, can alter the balance of power very quickly uh, and, and the voting dynamics. I mean, certainly more so in a place like the Senate uh, where, you know, it's, it's very closely uh, you know, divided. Um, but, but, you know, this, this, when margins are like this in the house, it also just makes it, it, it makes for uncertain times. And what I think is sort of the, the thing that I just don't, um, I, I don't think a lot of members are grasping is that, they members are are sort of in this narrow band it seems and the voters are not <laughs> the voters are are a much more diverse you know uh, group of people even though our parties are polarized the voters are have a lot more on their mind you know depending on where you lived you know abortion was an issue or inflation was an issue and the top issue that you were going to vote on and so it just it, it's I, I hold out hope that you know members of Congress and the leaders will take that into account that the issues that they're pursuing, whether it's the uh, what will probably get a long standing investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop um, or you know or, or things like that 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 this is this is not necessarily where the American people are and you know I, I, I just think that it's going to be a, a, a you know, it's going to be this very fluid situation for a while. But voters are going to be looped into it with special elections that because the margin is so narrow that any special election is going to potentially be competitive. And that will look, I could look very different even if it's a very democratic district, such as a Chicago area district. But if you need the votes, you know, do you do, does a party in this case, what if it's a democratic, a heavy, heavily democratic seat, do Republicans have to, make a play for it and, and, and hope because they need, they need more room, uh, you know, more room to, to grow. So special elections are going to be, hopefully it's good for business for all of us, but uh, <laughs> uh, special elections could be of even more importance than they are, than they were before. Well, uh, the countdown is now on then, not just to the new Congress, but the first special election for whatever reason. Um, so as you mentioned, the, you know, we've got a, we've got an election in Chicago for mayor, uh, coming up. That'll provide some of the, um, some of the bases, although Garcia doesn't have to give up his seat, uh, unless he wins. So we'll, uh, you know, again, this is why, this is why we do what we do, right, Nathan? <laughs> I, I think so. I, mean, I haven't second guessed myself too much over the last, <laughs> over the last week, <laughs> Feel pretty good. Uh, well, that's going to do it, I think, for uh, for our our part two of known knowns and known unknowns. Uh, we'll obviously keep talking about uh, the midterms and, and their results in, in the coming weeks, but I think this is a good uh, sign off before Thanksgiving. Uh, Nathan, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll leave we'll leave people in suspense for the next episode. <laughs> Uh, and thank you also out there listeners for, uh, for listening and for your time. Uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it. Uh, tell your friends about it, rate us on iTunes, all those things that you're supposed to do with podcasting, uh, and also catch up on what Nathan has written for roll call on rollcall.com. 
Uh, he's just a, 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 a an analytical machine. Thanks again, Nathan. No problem.